0: Hello and welcome to the Everything Knows podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. We're excited to be bringing a special Florida State baseball preview. Uh, and who better to preview Florida State baseball than the man himself, Brett Nevitt of 24-7 Sports? Brett is uh is the king of the beat when it comes to baseball and, and honestly is is probably the best all-around knowledge. Uh, like beat to sport person, it's Brett Devitt and everybody else. So, Brett, how are you doing, man?
1: I appreciate that. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, obviously, this is my busy time of year, and when it starts to really ramp up now, and um, you know, obviously, we had the Mike Martin senior news recently, and and we're going to have his memorial Saturday. So, I think that will be kind of a good cap to to every to Levin's legacy and everything, and the celebration of his life and looking forward to seeing the turnout this weekend and and all the people that come back. Um, And then after that, it's, 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 it's go time pretty much. Um, And you have an extra set of eyes looking over Mike Martin field and Dick Hauser stadium this year. And I think, um, you know, they'll take it even a little bit more serious this year with that extra added dose to it. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I'm ready to get started. I'm ready to get to opening day. It's what I wait for all year. It's, it's, it's a long 4 months but when it's over I I, I always just wish that I was back in it. So um yeah, I'm just ready to get to opening day. It's been a long grind of of, of watching since the summer and all the way through fall and then last couple weeks of preseason here so far.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a really great way of saying it with 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 uh with Eleven's passing and and even though he's gone, he'll still be with the program and, and everything they do and man, it's been a, it's really been a long emotional year and a half for the Florida state program uh, with link Jarrett taking over last year, uh, a lot of excitement, but then the baseball actually happened (laughs) Uh, with the, with the injury to your star and the team just fell apart from there. It really felt like a massive losing streak. So a lot of just mental toughness uh, you know, the, the coaching overhaul, everything that's happened there. Uh, and then we saw the result was that link uh, through the through the moves of of Wallace and Restano brought in Mike Capozzi, brought in uh, Ty from Pittsburgh. You know, all of that to say, even with Elevens passing, brought into that. How are you feeling about just the general state of the Florida State baseball program?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, right now it all kind of revolves around link and and this is his program and, and everything that that's done is is kind of in link's vision every hire that's made is is done with with a purpose and everything that link says is with a purpose he's he's very thoughtful in everything he says and you know i remember last year during press conferences it just felt like after every game like his opening statement would answer most of my or all the questions i i had going into the press conference and that's just kind of how Link is. Like he he's very detailed. He he doesn't miss many things. Um, he's very consistent, energy wise, on a day to day basis. Not the type of energy you're going to get out of a Mike Norvell per se, but Link's in it every day, and and he greatly strives for the program to get back to where it is. And um, I think last year was was tough on him, and I think he struggled with it, just the 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 way it went and and how quickly it went downhill and. You know, I think he knew it had that potential with, with the pitch in depth issues that they had. Um, but I don't think anyone there imagined that it, it would be as bad as it as it ultimately did get. Um, but like you said, there's been a lot of changes since then. Um, I mean, we've had six assistant coaches in the last three years, and that can be tough on some of these kids. It can be tough on pitchers who are dealing with three different pitching coaches and you know, all those pitching coaches have have good things to them. And I really like Mike Capozzi, um and, and what he's done here so far. And a large part of that has been the pitching lab addition as well. Um, so I think we've seen good strides with the pitching staff um, in, in the last eight months or so. And a lot of that had to do with the additions as well that they brought in, something that they weren't really able to do last year um, after getting in from the College World Series and you know, you had to replace four arms last year that three of those guys ended up being drafted. And one of them probably will be drafted. And had they been on last year's roster, it probably would have been a lot different. But at the same time, you were only able to bring in one arm in the time period that you had after that. So it was just really tough last year for the pitching staff. When it comes to position players, and it's a lot deeper group this year. There's there's a lot of depth of, of power, and I think that was the main thing they kind of wanted to go out and get in, in the portal this year because he just didn't have much of it last year outside of James Tibbs, Cam Smith, and, and Jaime Ferrer. And, you know, it's you see it with a team like the Phillies and the postseason, the Rangers. Like, you hit home runs, you're going to win games. It, it, no matter what else you do, at some point, like, if you hit more home runs than other teams, you're probably going to win games. And I think that was kind of – a semi shortcut for Link this offseason that if, if we get so much power that we can just overpower teams, we should be able to rack up some wins and especially in the non conference. But ultimately, I think defense and pitching wins you games, and, and that's going to end up determining how this team does on weekends in the ACC. And the way to get into the postseason is you, you got to win two out of three on, on ACC weekends. That's, that's the only way you do it. And to do that, you got to play good defense, you got to run the base as well. And you got to throw strikes. And those are those are still concerns for me, which which aren't new. But um, th- there's definitely more upside and, and more depth on, on both sides
0: of the ball. Yeah, let's start with the pitching. And <laughs> you talked about it, man. This team struggled at times throwing strikes last year and it was it was brutal at times to to watch some of the nibbling and and some of the just lack of total control and games where they would seemingly have it and then suddenly not have it. And so um, I think you and I talked a lot about Michael Posey coming over from uh, DBU. Uh, We're excited about him. And so let's start with, with Posey. I know you've, you've talked about, you've already felt his impact or seen his impact. What is it about his approach that you feel is different than, uh, than what Restano and maybe others in the past have had at Florida
1: state? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's, there's, I think one thing that's different philosophy wise with, with, with Posey is he, he really wants to get a lot of variety from, from guys. Like he wants guys to have three pitches, four pitches, even five pitches with some guys. Like we've seen guys add changeups. We've seen some, some guys add a, add a splitter or a a new slider variation or a curveball or an extra two seam to go with the four seam. It, there's been a lot of new stuff added for a lot of guys that has kind of give them, the ability to keep hitters off bounce a little bit more at times last year, I just felt like they, they did, they were just kind of predictable at times just because they, it felt like most of the guys they had just had fastball breaking ball and, and nothing else. And if those two pitches are really good, you can get away with it, but there wasn't much plus on, on the pitching staff when it came to stuff wise. So when you didn't have variability to go, to go along with the lack of stuff, it, it kind of makes it really hard to get out. Um, you know, I think Mike has done a really good job of just communicating with players. I just he does a really good job of getting across to the guys and and relating to them on and off the field. And I think that's something that like all like Chuck Rustano was as good of a person as you're going to meet, and he related with them well. And I think Belly related to guys well too. Um, but it, it's something that I've definitely noticed with Posey and his ability to communicate and the guys' ability to understand what he's telling them and. You know, I've got to be in the pitching lab one day and, and kind of see what they do in there and his knowledge of that stuff and what is important to, to each pitcher from the data that they do get, because when I mean, you get thousands and thousands of data points from these things from, from one pitch and you got to find a way to kind of simplify it and, and put it across to a pitcher and tell him where he can get better. And I think Micah does a good job of that. And you kind of see it outing to outing with these pitchers, like, they make adjustments and you can see it. And, you know, I think that's partly Micah and also partly some of the pitchers really taken to the pitching lab and, and that technology that that's been added to to Dick Hauser this year.
0: So uh, we talked about two years ago, the, the major departures from the staff, but uh, still a decent amount of, I guess, quote unquote, front end starters leaving the staff this year with Ballmeister and and Carson and Wyatt being gone. But uh Unlike last year, Florida State was really able to attack the portal. Um, And we saw them add, I think, seven new arms uh, to the staff. Um, So focusing just on the newcomers, which ones really have, you know, garnered your attention and and given you some excitement and, and you think will be impactful?
1: Yeah, well, I think Cam Leiter, I've kind of, everywhere I can, I've talked about Cam and written about Cam and tweeted about Cam. I've just he's been very consistent through all of fall and, and and so far in the preseason and he's kind of gotten more and more dominant with each outing and as he's kind of learned his stuff more through the through the lab and, and what pose he's been doing him, you kind of have just seen him ascend and ascend with each with each time he's been on the mound. And I mean it's just it's it's what you're looking for in a frontline starter. It's it's four pitches, it's it's a quality fastball, and it's He's been in the zone consistently with it. That was the big thing for for Cam last year, and it was kind of a tale of two seasons for Cam last year where he was really, really, really struggled in the first half and then was really good in the second half, which led to him being kind of fresh, I think, all-freshman team in the AAC last year at UCF. But, yeah, it's it's a really quality fastball. In the mid-'90s, we'll reach back for a 97, and 98. It's a wipeout slider that was 88-90 the other day with, with true depth to it. Um, hammer curveball that's tight and has good depth to it as well that he can drop in the strike zone at any time against left-handed or right-handed hitters and mixes in a changeup as well so you've got four pitches in play at any time and and three of them are are pretty darn good pitches and he just keeps guys off balance keeps guys guessing and and just looks over powerful at times and he makes some of Florida State's best hitters just look like they're completely guessing at the play and that's all Cam's work and I think my favorite thing about Cam is just his intensity and his the way he attacks. And he's just, to me, he's like the tone setter that you want. I mean, when Florida State was going best since I've been here was when Parker Messick was on the mound on Friday nights and he set the tone and he brought the intensity and he channeled his energy in the right way to, to execute pitches. And I think that will be the big key for Cam is when he gets in those environments and he's really hyped up how does he channel that energy, and 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 how does he execute in those big moments? Um, so yeah, I think Cam's definitely the headliner. Obviously, Gavin Adams is, is is kind of the X factor on this pitching staff. I I don't know what exactly you'll you'll get out of Gavin, and it's it's hard to put him in an exact role right now with his struggles with command. I mean, that's kind of been that's the reason that Gavin is at Florida State. It, there's a reason that someone that was draft eligible that can throw 100 miles per hour and throws two off-speed pitches in the nine in the nine in low 90s is is that didn't that he didn't sign and didn't get drafted last season. Like there's there's a reason for that. It's not like scouts just didn't see him, and it's because of command issues and the the fastball command just really erratic at times. And you know when when Gavin isn't able to get leverage and counts and get up in counts and it's hard to go to the off-speed, which gets the swings and misses for him um so gavin's just he's he's got to throw more strikes but if you were to able to unlock that like it, it gives you another gives you someone else with that high octane type of stuff that you're looking for to to get strikeouts and and, and limit the ball in play because less the ball is in play less damage that there's going to be and that's obvious but even with your defense you want to try to probably keep the ball not in the field of play as often as possible um but yeah gavin thing with gavin is you kind of have to have him in in a big role with with the way that the pitching staff is constructed but you know i think there's a a good core of guys that that are going to eat up innings but gavin's kind of like that that guy that just he would unlock and he would unlock another level of your pitching staff for you if you were able to get him in the strike zone but to to this point i haven't seen that consistently enough to believe that it will come what 10 days from now
0: right um talking about returning pitchers with the staff last year, you know, Connor Whitaker uh, really stood out at the end of the season. Um, and, and we talked about pitchers who like to strike people out. Uh, Whit was more of the guy that was pitching the contact often. And he did a really good job with it. Um, in addition to him, you have, you know, obviously Ben Barrett and and Jamie Arnold, and um, you've already, I know you've been writing articles talking about how we've already seen them make some off season strides as well. Um you know, just looking at those returning starters um, combined with, you know, the guys we just talked about from the transfer portal, how do you expect this weekend and, and midweek rotation to to kind of start or end up being?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, it's been tough to figure out exactly what they're going to do on the weekend. Um, I am pretty confident that that lighter will probably, will probably be the Friday night starter um, and i <laughs> I've thought for a pretty been, been pretty confident for a while that Jamie Arnold will probably be one of the three starters as well. It, it's it's figuring out that third starter that's been kind of a struggle for me. Um, you know, like you said, you're gonna you know exactly what you're gonna get with Connor Whitaker. I mean, it's his three pitches for strike. He's a bulldog. He's gonna give you the same exact effort every single time he's out there, no matter the situation, the environment, or the any role that he's in. Like he's just he's gonna go out there and compete. He's gonna keep the ball on the ground if if the fastball is down in the zone and, and gets out get, gets out sufficiently. Um, And it's kind of the same reason that he's attractive in, in, in the bullpen and also the rotation. It's just, there's such a trust factor with, with, with CWIT. And do you have someone else in your bullpen that you can trust like that to go get ounce to close out a Friday night game or to close out a Saturday game when you're trying to even up a series? Like those are, big time outs that you have to have and you have to have someone you trust to go do it. And that trust factor in the back end of games and and, in big innings in the middle of games is, is something that's really, really important to link. Um, But at the same time, link has talked about how they need to get innings out of their starters this year and Connor more than anybody, you know, is going to give you innings. So it's just a kind of a balancing act of probably what you need to figure out what you have with other guys and, and who you do trust and other positions like you said Ben Barrett too is someone that I think has made big strides and I've always been high on on the arm and what he can be as a pitcher and I believe he's only going to pitch now and I think it's served him well in his in his development and he had a nagging wrist injury last year that that kind of just it, it was a bug to him for a while and he got that cleaned up and, and missed most of the fall because of it but coming back this this uh preseason he just he's looked really good he's been in the zone consistently with three pitches in play and and keeping the ball on the ground pretty consistently and getting a lot of weak contact. Um, and one other couple of newcomers I'll mention: Carson Dorsey from the JUCO level as well. Uh, Carson's probably the guy that's made the biggest step since the fall. Um, I've always been pretty high in Carson since I saw him last fall at at Florida, at, at Gulf Coast in the Panhandle. Um, just the fastball quality is is it's as good as it gets. It's it just rides up in the zone. It's like a rise ball from from the slot that he comes way over the top and no matter how hard he's throwing, he's going to miss bats with the fastball, but he's taken some big steps with the off speed specifically with his changeup has, has kind of shown some plus metrics at times this, this preseason. So he's really coming along as, as kind of a four pitch mix guy as well, which he's, he really never showed before this preseason. And then Yoel Tejeda from Florida is another guy that like Adams, he he's kind of an X factor where I think with Yoel, the big thing is we're, we're, you're still trying to figure out exactly what the out pitch is with Yoel. Um, he's he's going to throw probably mid nineties with the fastball once he gets in those big environments, um, and it's going to be splitter slider. It's just can he get swing and miss with splitter and slider outside the zone? Um, if he can't, you know, he's going to struggle with efficiency and to get outs. But if he can, he could be pretty dominant. So you just you, a lot of pieces where you just try to figure out where they work where where they might not work and and how they work off of each other so it's just yeah i pigeons my thing and it's i think about it i can't get it out of my head at all all the time and i've thought about it for the last 8 months and i don't know exactly where i would go with the roles so you know i don't envy them for having to make these decisions soon but i i do think it will be something that is kind of ever changing and always being evaluated throughout the year
0: Yeah. So one last thing on pitching real quick, man, you you hit on a lot of stuff to go back to talking about how starters didn't make it long last year and how that's got to be a major concern. And so just real quick thought on the bullpen roles. I I know Armstrong is back and and he was reliable at times. Are are there any other names you really expect to make a major impact in the bullpen?
1: Yeah. So they brought in Noah short from West Virginia. Uh, I believe he's the all times appearance leader at West Virginia side armor but is is kind of a different profile than I personally expected when he was coming in and that you probably anybody that like sees a normal side armor would expect I mean you expect kind of a sinker ball or someone that's going to keep the ball on the ground a lot um but but Noah's more so of someone that's going to get swings up in the zone with with kind of a rising fastball it's you're watching the Diamondbacks in in the postseason last year Seawald their closer reminded me a lot of 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 Noah and watching Seawald it was everybody was like why is his 91 92 keeps getting swing and misses from the best hitters in the world right right in the zone it's because you don't expect it to to rise like that you're expecting it to to kind of drop off its plane and it just stays plain and guys swing under it consistently um so I think Noah's type of someone that I think Link will turn to a lot appearance wise and Maybe someone that's like that Chase Haney type of just rubber arm roll when whenever you need a big out, you might just turn to him. Um, Connor Holtz is is a lefty that's going to spin the heck out of it from the JUCO ranks. Big thing with him will just be command. Um, Joe Charles obviously has dealt with injuries his whole college career. But um, there is some there's stuff there with Joe. It's probably going to be up to 94. Big thing with Joe is he just spins it um, slider curveball, spins both of them well um like Joe just same as Holtz and a lot of other guys it's command and and health obviously with Joe just staying out there and I really hope that Joe is able to have a healthy season because it's been such a grind for him in in college so um and then I think freshman I would mention Hudson Rowan uh, from from the Panhandle he missed the fall after he tore his ACL in a high school game when he got put in as a pinch runner I think and uh he's he's someone that I think is going to be very good for Florida State in the future and potentially this year as well. Same thing for Hudson. It's just get it in the strike zone. Um, that's a big thing with him, just consistency of fastball command, but like it, it's a similar fastball quality to Dorsey when it's, when it's in the zone, he's going to miss bats like heck. And I mean, Hudson was someone that was like 85, 87 in high school when he would miss bats, like have 18 strikeout games with, with an 85, 87 mile per hour fastball. And, it's just good fastball quality up in the zone with, with a good downhill curveball off of it. So I think Hudson out of the freshman, he could potentially have the most impact. It's just, he's just got to be in the zone more consistently.
0: all right, let's jump over to the offense. And, uh, man, this, this was an offense that was at times perplexing, uh, at times exciting. I mean, up into the TCU series, when Ross got hurt, it really seems like it just crumbled after that. So, um, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of frustrating games, for sure, for the staff. And so uh, similar to pitching, it looks like the, the staff prioritized the transfer portal, adding six six new guys and especially uh, looked to shore up the middle of the infield. And so let's kind of start there with, with the additions from the portal uh, and, and specifically with the middle of the infield. What are you expecting from these guys? And uh, uh are you expecting an improvement overall compared to last year?
1: Yeah, I think you can definitely expect an offensive improvement just based off their numbers last year. And and, and as freshmen, um, obviously throw at UCF with Leiter and then um, Lodice at, at UNF. So we saw some of both of them last year. Um, you know, I don't remember exactly what Lodice did against Florida State, but I just remember seeing his numbers when he came up to the plate and just being like, that, that's probably a dude right there. And he looks like a dude, and so does Farrow. And, you know, Farrow's obviously familiar with Tallahassee being from Florida high, and, you know, that's where Link went as well. Um, and I think that was big for him, coming to work with Link. Um, you know, thing with, with Farrow is consistency. Um, you see it in the numbers last year. I mean, 917 fielding percentage, uh, the, the strikeouts. I think he had 75 or so strikeouts. But you see the upside in, in the power. And there's a switch hitter that's uber-athletic that, going to steal some bags it's, it's has the range to make any play at shortstop it's just will you have the consistency of making the routine play every day every out that you need it like you just you got to be consistent at shortstop you got to be consistent at second base i think Lodis had a 928 fielding percentage last year and you know obviously these the fielding percentage numbers you know i don't always take fielding percentage to be exactly what it is but not being able to see all their games last year. It's the only thing you can really go off of in, in college baseball. There's not defensive metrics like there are in the MLB, but, um, you know, I think obviously that that those are numbers they put up as freshman shortstop and you don't play that long of a season in high school. So at the same time, they they were probably getting, getting used to that long season grind. So we'll see how those numbers are this year. Um, but you know, I think you expect that both of them are going to hit homers. Uh, I really like Lodice, just all of his hitterish tools. And Lodice just has sneaky pop. Like he's just hitting, hitting, hitting. And then all of a sudden he'll just sky a ball off the right field fence or send a ball off the scoreboard. So, um, you know, I've, you're going to get a big power upgrade from those two. But you do still need to find more consistency up the middle. I mean – you know, I know Jordan carry on it's a different profile, but Jordan did have a nine fifty fielding percentage last year. So like you you gotta step up from from a nine seventeen if you're real and you're playing shortstop every day and you can't strike out 75 times in a season. So um they do need to make improvements, but but both of them have have a very high ceiling. And um, you know, I think Lodice of the two probably has a higher floor, but but pharot probably has the higher ceiling of the two of them.
0: Yeah, so you couple them with with, with Cam and, and with, uh, with Tibbs and, and Jaime, and you've got a pretty potentially explosive lineup, uh, with power, uh, something that, you know, Florida state hasn't had for a couple of seasons, you know, are you expecting big jumps from those three and, or any other, uh, offensive players that you want to call out that you, you expect a, a big impact from this year?
1: Yeah, I think Cam obviously is very capable of a, of a big jump. It's, I mean, I know it's kind of repetitive, but with Cam, it's it's consistency of, of just the quality of that at bat that he's putting together. And, you know, I think for Cam last year, he kind of struggled where teams, after a certain point in the season, realized that he's very good at, at driving the ball to the backside, and he, he doesn't mind hitting pitches on the outer half and, and driving balls that way. And they kind of just started hammering him inside with fastballs, and, and and that got that got Cam to this point where he had to try to get the bat head out in front, and but that kind of led to him just pulling almost on everything and then pulling out and, and not being able to get to sliders that are away from him off the fastball so you know if I think it's just finding a better game plan for cam this year to allow him to utilize his strengths which is using the whole field and using the 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 raw power that he has that's as good as anyone in the country probably I mean you go and watch his VP and it's going to stack up with anybody there's there's a lot of guys on this team that their BP could stack up with anybody um Tibbs and Jaime, I mean Ever since their freshman fall, I, I've been, and really with Jaime, even before that, I've just I've just believed in, in their offensive capability and what they're going to do. Jaime, it's just the hand-eye coordination, the ability to get the barrel to any pitch. Um, the big thing with Jaime to kind of unlock that next level of to bring out the power numbers that he has. He has natural power and he's a really strong kid. It's just I think his pitch selection. Um, and the more balls that Jaime swings at in the zone, the more homers he's going to hit. And I know Jaime can get a single on pitches outside of the zone, but the more that he's swinging inside the zone, he's going to do more and more damage, I think. And um, with Tibbs, I mean, it's just such easy power to all fields. Um, I've always believed in, in Tibbs' ability to to hit, um, not only for power, but just to hit. Like, he, he's a really good hitter. He uses all fields. Uh, I've never seen – a left-handed hitter at Hauser just, just go opposite field the way he does with with such just low effort swings. It's 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 really fun to watch. I think big thing with Jaime and Tibbs, you, you just you need better defense from both of them in, in the corner outfield positions this year to achieve the goals that you're going to get to. Um and it's obviously it's not them. There's even like Cam needs to step up defensively. I think everywhere you look you you need to take a step up defensively to ultimately try and reach the goals that you want to get to. Um, You know, you mentioned Diama's earlier and how kind of when he went down, the offense went down. And, you know, obviously I think last year that was the case because they didn't really have another table setter like that. And Diama's is really good at it. Like he, he knows what he's doing. He's a really, really smart baseball player. He's going to get the barrel to, to any pitch that's thrown his way. And he just, he he's at times he's a slap hitter. He knows when he needs to take a big swing and try to pull the ball. Like, I just I've always really enjoyed watching Diama's play, and I've been watching him since he was on a travel ball team. With his outfield was like Elijah Green, and oh man, I forgot he was he was in an outfield with like I think it was him and two first round picks in his his draft class. Like Diama's has always been someone he's held his own, and he just he's a really good player. I mean, he doesn't hit for a ton of power, and he's not gonna wow you in BP, but. I just enjoy the baseball player that Diamas is. Um, I'll mention Marco Dinges as well. He's a transfer from TCC. Um, I'm just really confident in what Marco is going to give them offensively. Uh, I don't think Marco is fully ready with the glove to go back there and catch every day. But I think he he could be a DH uh, opportunity for Florida State or also in the outfield if, if you have to get to that point. But Marco just swings with, such aggression and and but he also doesn't swing and miss it's like it's just you're never going to cheat Marco on a swing you're never going to get a you're never really going to get a fastball past Marco's bat either and um the thing I like about a Marco is just he just he feels like the aggressor when he's hitting and usually you feel like the pitcher is the aggressor but I've always felt like when I watch Marco I feel like Marco is the one that's that's setting the tone and he's kind of the one that's staring down the pitcher and he's the one that's going to you know, decide where that at bat goes because he's not going to sit back and and wait for you to give him something. You know, he's going to first pitch. He's ready to go fastball or hanging curveball. He, he's going to take a hack at it on, and he's going to hit the ball as hard as anyone. I mean, he's someone that puts up like 116 mile per hour exit velos, and he's going to be someone that puts up 105 plus mile mile per hour exit velos pretty consistently. So, yeah, physicality and it just stands out all over the place with with the guys, but. Having someone like Diamas to mix in at the top of the lineup is is something that is crucial to what what's actually going to go on in, in, throughout the fifty five game regular season.
0: You you mentioned that Marco's not ready for the uh, behind the plate job last year. Uh, <laughs> most fans didn't care for Colton Vincent, but uh, you know you and I talked about it a lot. He saved a lot of runs back there uh, with a very wild staff, but Vincent's gone. Uh, is this McGuire Holbrook's job?
1: Well, I thought I, coming out of the fall, I felt like McGuire had had the most consistent fall of the group. Um, McGuire looked much just – he looks leaner. He looks better. He looks more confident. Uh, obviously, last year he dealt with uh, – I think it was hamstring that, that got him in, in the preseason. And then um, the ham – oh, no, it was ham eight bone that got him. Yeah. The hamstring had got him in the fall. Then hammate got got him in the preseason – um, when he got back from the handmaid bone, then the hamstring got him again. Um, so he just was never able to get in the rhythm, offensively or defensively. Um, you know, Mac. I think the best thing with Mac behind the plate is he's he's done a really good job of controlling the run game, just with strong, accurate throws. And uh, the thing with with all the whole catcher group is just consistency of of receiving pitches, consistency of blocking it up behind the the plate and. And making blocks when you need to make blocks and important moments to help your pitchers out like there's just too many balls that get by at crucial moments with runners in scoring position that those type of pitches those those cost you games when you get in season and those need to be eliminated once you get to this season but you know they could also go for for balance in the lineup if they wanted to and go with a platoon because jackson west is a left-handed hitter that you brought in from alabama also a kid that's originally from Tallahassee. Um, so Jackson went to Childs um, in Tallahassee, and Jackson has some left-handed pop. Jackson's more of a, like, patient hitter than, than McGuire is. He's going to kind of wait, uh, not afraid to work counts. McGuire is very much so an aggressive hitter that that likes to, to get out on fastballs early um, and just really good bat-to-ball from Mac. and he's got some power in there as well that he shows in B.P., still waiting for it to come, kind of come out more in games but um max starting to show more of of the numbers that he put up offensively at west virginia than than what he was able to do last year just just impacting the baseball at a more consistent rate but yeah the big thing at catcher is just what are you going to get on a day-to-day basis when it comes to re- to receiving and, and blocking it up
0: so brett build me your uh your projected florida state lineup
1: yeah, I don't expect it to be that much different than than what they went with in the fall at Alabama, actually. Um, like I I, I believe that Link takes those things very serious and, and and like it's 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 an audition for him to see how things are gonna work and and how that might go. Um and he likes balancing the lineup at Alabama. They went with Diamez, then Cam, then Tibbs, then Jaime, then Cantu at first base, who I think will provide them stability offensively and defensively as a veteran presence from usf um dingus was hitting six as, as the dh Ferro was hitting seventh as the shortstop holbrook hit eighth and caught and then uh Lodis was playing second base and, and hitting ninth i don't i don't really think that's going to change honestly it might but i think that's just the the order like cam bounces really well off of, of off of off of Diamas and and Tibbs and Jaime are really good back to back and Cantu kind of he, he gives you that presence of just someone that's probably going to get the ball in play he's going to impact the ball from from time to time and and hit for a decent average Dinges is kind of that guy that there's probably going to be a lot of runners on base in front of him and you expect him to do some damage um is kind of your x factor where maybe you don't know exactly what you're going to get average and in, in k rate wise but you know there's going to be impact there um, and I really like Lodis as as kind of uh, your your second leadoff because he's 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 gonna he's gonna put the ball in play he's gonna make things happen I think and and he's gonna impact the baseball as well so you know one through nine there you just you have a lot of guys that are gonna be physical and and, and make things happen and you know Diamez and 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 Lodis at one and nine at one and nine could potentially be the key to kind of getting things and getting the train rolling.
0: That's a lot more exciting than last year's, especially the uh, the bottom half of the lineup. There were times where it just felt like Link was probably just throwing stuff at the wall just to see. Man, I need somebody to hit the ball today.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> definitely, yeah. uh, it raises the floor, like you said. Uh, I think
1: I was just going to say the thing that is I think gives Link Link op- optimism too is that they have kind of they have like a a strong second line of what they could turn to if if they needed to turn to a second line. I mean, at at middle infield, I think you have Cal Fisher, the freshman and Titan Kamaka. I mean, Titan showed what he can do with the bat last year. Um, Cal is just, Cal's a gamer um, and probably going to end up being the best position player of the freshman class and someone that's really highly impacts this program in the future. I just, I don't know where the bats come for Cal this year. Um, but Cal is someone that's a savvy defender. He's instinctive. He, he's he's going to impact the baseball as well. And the outfield, you have left-handed hitting Max Williams that has a ton of power. I mean, his BP might be the craziest of all. Like, it's just he'll he'll go off the circus pretty often. Um, but Max, I think things with Max is just getting consistent and where do you get his at-bats? Um, maybe you platoon him him in dinges if you don't think you're going to get – as much from Dingis against right handed pitching. But I think with the impact that's in Dingis's bat, you're going to want him to get as many at bats as possible. Um, but Max is someone that, you know, if you need a pinch hit situation with the left handed hitter, he'd probably be the first up. Um, I've always been a really big fan of Lance Triple as well. And he'll probably uh, back up can too at first base. I just like what, what Triple can do offensively and athleticism wise.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you for are there any other names to call out, but you just kind of did that for me. So, uh, I you know, we're we're getting close to 30 plus minutes here. So let me just kind of close it out with, you know, um, the postseason streak ended, which, you know, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. uh, we know the ACC is going to be tough this year. Um, but we know this, this, this team probably has a higher floor than last year. I think that's fair to say. Do you think this is uh, a a, a restart of the postseason run for Florida State?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it should be with the amount of talent that you have. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't, though. Just I I don't have very high expectations for what the defense is going to be. And and ultimately, I do think that you're going to have some command issues. And those two things together Are going to make it tough on you to to win weekends against really good teams but you should have enough offense where you can you can just mash your way to to enough wins to get yourself in postseason contention and um if you were to hit on all your high level arms and if you were to play good defense then you're talking about maybe a a fringe host team too so it it is kind of a volatile situation but when you have high ceiling boomer bust type guys and that's kind of what you get, and um, you know it might be really good. It might not be very good, but um, it's nice to have like some hope and and think about what could be if all these things were to come together. Um, yeah, it's just like I said, you got to win weekends against ACC opponents and the non-conference schedule that that they've put together for the first four weekends of the season. There's there's pros and cons to it. Like I think that you should if you play good baseball and you don't hurt yourself, that you should rack up a lot of wins there and you should be ranked after four weeks. Um, But if you're to lose some of those games and not take care of business, it's going to hurt your RPI. And it's the thing that held up Florida State in 2022 to get into the postseason was their RPI. And it specifically had to do with their non-conference RPI and non-conference strength of schedule. So, um, you know, they'll have a decent strength of schedule from the ACC but that non-conference RPI, I you know, I think that will be something that could potentially come into play. Um, you know, it shouldn't be horrible because you still get your Florida three times a year. That helps. And, you know, none of these, not many of these Florida in-state schools you play in midweeks are are scrubs. But they're all, they also are, you always have a target on your back when you play those schools. So um, like we've seen in the past, like you can't play down to teams and, and you've got to bring your best baseball every day. So that's the big thing with this team for me is just consistency day in, day out. And, and every season has a dip. Every season has highs and lows. And how do you respond to the lows? Because that was the thing last year when you, when you went low, it just kept getting lower and you got to have, you got to have someone in the locker room that that can step up and, and put a stop to that um, and, and not make it a consistent thing. So you know, I think consistency and 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 leadership could be two things that are, are pretty key to where this season ends up going postseason wise.
0: So that's a really good analysis because uh I, I think I think Florida State fans are used to thinking, well, they're just gonna make the they're gonna make the postseason. You know, they're yeah. gonna win enough, they're gonna new enough. Uh and then last year, just like you said, when the lows hit, it was staggering at times. And so uh it's it's, it's good that you're not sugarcoating it and saying, Yeah, this is a guaranteed postseason run team
1: um yeah it's it's weird I think I've I think I've learned a lot in the last six years I mean this is my sixth year going into this and you just you learn a lot you learn a lot about these baseball teams and what makes teams successful and and what can kind of cripple you in ways and there's just there's a lot of variety in baseball there's a lot of failure in baseball and, and so much of it is just about how you respond to things and you know, I just—that's the big thing, and there's so many ups and downs with it. And you know, I think I've gotten better at at dealing with the ups and downs. But <laughs> last year was tough, and you know, getting away to softball for postseason was was kind of a nice reprieve from baseball. But you know, I'm I'm ready, and I'm hopeful that maybe postseason streak can can get back underway this year. You know, at least hopefully we end up in the ACC tournament. That's <laughs>
0: We, I think,
1: uh, I'm confident that that will happen.
0: We had some good vent sessions last year in uh, in, in Twitter chat, there, Brett, yeah. where uh, you had a lot to get off your chest. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, we can we, we don't have to have that as much this year. We'll have some yeah. some good chats. Well, yeah. Brett, uh, I want to give you a minute just to kind of tell everybody where they can find you and all the work you're doing. I, I was uh, I was somewhere the other day and I saw people saying that they. The only reason they up uh, resubscribed to Knowles 247 was just because of Brett's amazing baseball coverage.
1: We'll have to let Brendan and Chris know that. But um, <laughs> my Twitter is at BrettPN. Um, and then we have me and Aria still are, have, have our podcast, Sunday Golds, a Florida State baseball podcast. You can find pretty much anywhere that you find any other podcasts, um, Apple Pods, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, and then obviously I, I write for Knowles247, Knowles247.com. Um, have a lot of preseason stuff on there right now. Um, and then we'll get into the season here soon and, and and have a lot of stuff as well. But yeah, my Twitter is PN, And that's where most of my coverage is at that you can find. So uh, I appreciate it, Tim, and all the conversations and venting that we have on Twitter as well.
0: We can uh, we can talk to each other about how much the Red Sox suck. So obviously looking forward to it. (laughs) Well, Brett, thanks so much for jumping on. Like I I can't stress this enough to those that are listening. Brett really is the best out there uh, for for the baseball uh, for all of. uh, Like I said, if you take a sport and you put a beat writer, I don't think there's anybody than Brett in covering baseball. Uh, In with the program, talks to the coaches, talks to the players. Covers all the games, Brett. If, if you ever make it up here for the Louisville, we're gonna have to get together. But uh, so so thankful for you jumping on and sharing that knowledge and uh, looking forward to uh to talking about this season with you and hopefully a run back to the postseason. Brett, uh, take it easy. Uh, thanks for all the listeners for for checking us out. Check us out on Tomahawk Nation. Everything Knows is the podcast. Subscribe there. Uh, we're we'll be covering baseball as well. Uh, but not quite to Brett's level, but we'll be doing our best. So hope to chat with you all. Hope to uh, not have to vent about fielding errors like we did last year. So excited about that. But until next time, uh, we'll catch you at Tomahawk Nation and excited for the upcoming baseball season. Until next time, guys.